We're in the book of James here in adult service. We're talking about faith works, and we've been journeying through verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and just gleaning from the power and the goodness of what God is speaking to us through his word. Our Bible quote for this series on faith works is from James 1, chapter 1, verse 22, and reading from the New International Version. It says, do not merely listen to the word so, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. And as my wife mentioned, our topic for today is favoritism. Favoritism. Do you see this picture? On? Let's take a look at the picture on favoritism. See, that, that helps you see what favoritism might look like. <laughs> so, <laughs> what is favoritism? What is favoritism? James helps us define what favoritism is. And this is our first point, defining favoritism. Favoritism is making some people more important than others. Important is your key word there. Let's read in James chapter 2, verse 1, and we're in James chapter 2 now. My dear brothers, you are believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. So never think that some people are more important than others. So you can have a favorite color. You can have a favorite food. You can have a favorite animal sound. <laughs> but to make one person more important than another person meaning treating one person more important just because of how they maybe look, is called favoritism, okay? And the Bible is telling us that we who believe in Jesus Christ are never to think and treat people as more important than another person just by the way they look or just because they're different from us. In the in the adult service here, we've been studying through James chapter 1, and we've been learning that as Christians, we not only just talk about the truth, we, we need to practice it. We need to do it. We need to live it, like we're talking about in our series Bible Co. And James wants to help us practice the word. He wants us to, to, to help us do the word. So he shares a picture story, if you will, about two different People, two different visitors that come to a church service, like just like this one, very similar to this. One person is rich, and the other person is poor. And James then shares a little bit about what he saw. So in verse 3 in James chapter 2, it says this, You show special attention to the one wearing nice clothes. See, the rich man was wearing very fancy clothes, and James tells us even the verse before that he had a gold finger or, excuse me, a gold ring on his finger. Gold finger is pretty, pretty extravagant. A gold ring on his finger. And, and so to this rich man, you say, please sit here and, and, and be our guest, right? Here, be, be our guest and, and sit in this good seat. But you say to the poor man who is wearing actually very dirty clothes and was maybe in some translation saying wearing... Filthy clothes, you know what filthy means? Filthy means very, very dirty and smelly kinds of clothing. To, to the poor man, you say, stand over there or sit on the floor by my feet. Okay? So this is the, this kind of picture story 
that James is showing here. And on this particular day in this picture story, somehow there are two visitors, and I'll call one Mr. Goldfinger <laughs> and the other one Mr. Grimy. Grimy is dirty. So we got Mr. Grimy, Goldfinger and Mr. Grimy who come to church service on the same day. In fact, why, why do they come on the same day? Mr. Goldfinger, he, he looks so shiny. And he, he looked sparkly. And everyone wanted, wanted to pay attention to Mr. Goldfinger. They wanted to make him feel welcome and, and because he looked important. He, he, was, he seemed wealthy. So they wanted to make sure to give him the best seat. Which is the best seat? I don't think these are the best seat because nobody ever sits here. <laughs> no, nobody ever wants to sit by the pastor. I hope somebody will someday. So which is the best seat? Excellent. So let's say this is the best seat. Yay! Woo! So Mr. Goldfinger comes and says, sit in the best seat. This is the best seat. Yeah. And, um, but then Mr. Grimy comes in and he gets no attention. No attention. In fact, why, why did Mr. Grimy come on the same day as Mr. Goldfinger? This is so embarrassing. Yeah? So here, here's the thing with Mr. Grimy. Because we don't want you to be seen so much, we, we're going to actually have you stand over there if you're going to stay. Yeah? Way over there. Or, or if you must stay, then be out of the way and, and sit by my feet. And in the Bible times, the feet, and in Asian culture, I believe, is very similar. The feet is not a very good position. It's a low position. It's letting people know that this person is actually of low value, right? So come sit here at my feet. It's not so you can warm my feet, but saying that this person is of very low value, now listen first, very importantly. There's nothing wrong about wearing nice clothes and having a gold around your finger or around your neck and wearing gold jewelry. And there's definitely nothing wrong welcoming people who wear nice clothes. I mean, if we had a problem with that, you guys would probably not be here. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with welcoming people who wear nice clothes or wear gold jewelry or fancy or who are wealthy. Nothing wrong with that in making people feel welcome in those things. The problem is when we choose to treat somebody differently, right, because of those things. Because one person maybe have not so nice clothes and another person has nice clothes, that we treat them differently. This is the world's standards. And the Bible's telling us those who believe in Jesus, who have faith in him, we don't do this at all. And this is what James says in verse 4 to, to these people that were doing this. What are you doing? What are you doing? You are making some people more important than others. With evil thoughts, you are deciding which person is better. Mm. You see, when we decide that one person is better than another person, and we're thinking this and we act on it, this is sin. This is sin. It's a sinful treatment. It's a sinful action. And this is of the world, not of God. That's why it's called evil. 
Anything that is not of God, who is holy, is the opposite of him, which is evil. So it's an evil way of behaving, and we're not like this, are we? Yeah? You see, and this is our second point, God sees the heart of a person, and we should also. God sees the heart of a person, and we should also. Verse 5 says this, listen, my dear brothers, God chose the poor in the world to be rich with faith. He chose them to receive the kingdom God promised to people who love him. God always responds to the heart of a person no matter what they look like on the outside. Listen to this. God does not show favoritism. Okay? He responds to any person's heart, especially when they seek him. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what childhood you had. It doesn't matter how many sins you've committed in your life. It doesn't matter. God does not show and does not treat people more important than another person just because they have more money, because they've maybe been a little bit more successful, just because they had a good childhood or bad. He doesn't do that. He sees the heart, and he loves the heart who is hungry for him. This is what it means to be the poor in spirit that Matthew talks about. Well, Jesus actually said it. He said it on the Sermon of the Mount, on the Mount. And we'll look, take a look at that in a, more, in a little bit. You see, the poor are those who have very little to nothing in this world. True? In this world, they have very little to nothing. And maybe, maybe that's why the poor are also the most hungry for God. Does that make sense? They tend to be the most hungry for them, for God. And, and God loves people who are hungry for Him, who are hungry for His Word, who are hungry for His presence. And so God chose the poor to be also rich with faith. This is what Jesus meant when He preached on the sermon that I just spoke about. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit are those who are hungry and they are desperate for God. They know that inside of them they are empty and they have nothing. Do you know the word bankrupt? Meaning you have no money in the bank? Well, in their heart, they know they're bankrupt. And they know without God, they have nothing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And those who are poor in spirit experience God in a very unique and beautiful way. When we come before him and say, Lord, I have nothing, and I need you desperately. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, God sees the heart, and we should also. 2 Corinthians 5.16 says this, No longer then do we, speaking to Christians, do we judge anyone by human standards by the flesh, right? Even at one time, we judged Christ according to human standards. That's why we, we crucified him, because <laughs> we judged him according to the world's standards. Yeah? At one time, we, we did this, but we no longer do so. So we also, we don't judge people 
by human standards. We don't know them by the flesh any longer. And this not only applies to the rich and to the poor. This applies to the rich, this applies to the poor, but also applies to other people who are different from us. And God's done such an amazing work here at the nation's church that we all look different from each other. But we do not judge by those human standards. But this goes even deeper to then just culture and countries. This goes to even personalities. Young men and I, we're different from each other. People sometimes confuse us because we look alike. We have the same body type. Yeah? We're very, both very, well, young men's very good looking. I try to be as good looking as he is. But we are different in personality. Yeah? And there are people who are different personality here from you. There are people who are also different from how you grew up, different how we speak. There's a lot of differences, right? And sometimes we can show favoritism. Here in a church setting, we can show favoritism in a work setting. Here's, here's another thing. We can show favoritism right in our own home with our own children. Yeah? And, and we're making judgments upon people and saying one person is more important to us or as more important than another. My friends, God is speaking to us. This is sin. And we as children of God don't align with that. This isn't us. Jesus didn't do this. In fact, Jesus chose the, the weak of the world to shame the strong. He chose by the worldly standards, if the world says you are of shame, that you are to be shamed, well, Jesus chose those who are by worldly standards of shame to shame those who consider them to be shameful. That's what Jesus did. In fact, if he's going to choose anyone, it's those who the world shames and, and says is weak. So it applies to not just the rich and the poor, but anyone who is different than us. People who are different than us, here's what actually happens. We sometimes can feel insecure because they might be different. We don't know how to <laughs> connect with them. We don't know how, what to say. Maybe they speak a different language. Maybe they came from a different church background. Maybe they have a different personality. I'm an introvert. They're an extrovert, yeah? And so we feel a little bit insecure, meaning we're not as confident to, to approach them. Well, it may start off that way, but then we start to hang out with people who are just like me. And we feel like, oh, these people are like me. And then Satan can easily deceive us to think people like me are more important than people who are not like me. Does that make sense? And we cannot allow that to happen. We need to allow God to join us together in Christ Jesus because Christ cannot be divided. Christ cannot be divided. In fact, when we do show favoritism, it shows that we, it shows something. And what it shows us is that we have a divided heart, that there's division in our hearts. There's nothing wrong with the outside. What's wrong is that there's things in the inside that are divided. And God wants to bring that together. He wants to heal it. He wants to restore it. So 
This message is about for us to listen to, and if there's places in our heart where there is division, where there is favoritism happening, then let God speak to you about this. Let him heal that, restore that, and show you his heart for people. So the question I have for us is, do you treat people? Do you, is there a person in your life? Is there a group of people in your life that you think about or that you treat as less important? No? That may not be important enough for your time. That may not be important enough for your attention. This is an important question for me. And I hope it's an important question for you. Because God wants to take that and make sure that we don't have those things amongst us. So to join us in Christ Jesus together. Galatians 3.28 says, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible says. Point number three, favoritism breaks the law of love, the law that rules all other laws. The law of love. Verse 8 says this. One, rule, one law rules over all other laws. This royal law is found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you obey this law, then you are doing right. But if you are treating one person as if he were more important than another, then you are sinning. That royal law, which is to love somebody else, your neighbor, as yourself, proves that you are guilty of breaking God's law because to love your neighbor as yourself, this is the core of all of God's law. This is the centerpiece. This is what holds it all together. So if you break this, you break all of his laws. Yeah? Verse 10, a person might follow all of God's laws, but if he fails to obey even one command, he is guilty of breaking all the commands in that law. What is the royal law? Well, Scripture tells us that it's the law that rules all other laws. There's no law higher than the royal law, which is the law of love, to love your neighbor as yourself. It's what makes the law complete. Let's look here in Galatians 5.14. It says the whole law is made complete in this one command. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. We ask you another question. Have you ever have you ever been treated differently or less important because you were not the same as everyone else around you? Have you? I have. If you're willing, I want you to think and remember the specific time of when this happened. It could be recently, it could be long ago. Think about a memory of when somebody or some people treated you as less important and differently just because you were not like them, because of how you looked, because you just weren't the same in some way. How did it feel? Not so good, huh? <laughs> Doesn't feel very good at all. I'm guessing you might have felt judged. You might have felt rejected, right? 
probably hurt, maybe misunderstood, maybe you feel alone, right? You, you feel like an outsider. I, I felt unimportant, <laughs> maybe even worthless. Th- these are real human experiences that all of us understand. And so think to yourself, how would you have liked for this other person or people to have treated you instead? What would you like for them to have done? Well, maybe treat you the same as everyone else, right? With respect, compassion, care, acceptance. That's how you would love to have been treated. This is what it means to love somebody and, and love your neighbor as yourself. To, to love yourself simply means, do you want to be loved? Do you want to receive respect from somebody? Do you want to receive kindness from them? Do you? I hope so, because that's how God built you. <laughs> yeah? If you want those things, that, no, that means you know, you know how to love yourself. Loving yourself is not, not the same as believing that you don't deserve to be loved. That's, that's, a, that's a deception, okay? That's a lie that the enemy is trying to have you believe that you don't deserve to be loved. You don't deserve to be treated respectfully. That's, that's a lie, okay? And because if you believe that lie, what's, what it's going to do is separate you from other people and ultimately from God, But God built you to receive love, to receive respect. And so when you get hurt, you know how you would rather have been treated instead. When you've been disrespected, you want to be respected. When you have been felt as as somebody um, insulted you, you would rather have them encouraged you. True? Everybody knows how to love themselves because we've been built that way. And so what we do to love another person is say, This is how I would love to have been treated, so I'm going to treat the other person this way. Period. No conditions. No conditions. This is the law of love. This is the royal law. This is the law that rules all other laws. So what does this mean? Even when they say bad things to me, treat them with respect? Yes. Yes. Just because somebody treats you badly doesn't give you the right to treat them badly back. When you do that, you are now entrapped and entangled with sin. And it's only going to lead to death. So here's a lot of times what happens in an argument. And if I'm talking with people trying to work through an argument, usually it's, but they started it. Right? Okay. Well, if they started it, then how about you start something different? Yeah? Or they'll say, well, I tried my best, but then they decided to hurt me. So because they hurt me, I'm going to hurt them back. Well, if that's the law we grow by, then, (laughs) wow, we're going to live in a very, very evil type of atmosphere. Because if we treat people how they only treat us, then it's going to go bad really fast. But here's the thing. This is the royal law. Do you know why it's called the royal law? Because it's the law of kings and queens. 
And in Christ Jesus, we're co-rulers with Him. We're co-heirs with Him. And so when we live by the royal law, we live as kings and we live as queens in the kingdom of God with our King Jesus. And we take His authority, take His power of His love through His law, and we start to bring it into real life. And it becomes powerful. And the very love of God, the very presence of God, starts to make, become very real in the, maybe the argument that we're having or when the boss is saying something that's not very easy and, and nice or when our kids are having a difficult time. We choose to love somebody as we want to be loved. Okay? Period. And when we do that, when we decide and choose to do that, we are living according to God's kingdom. And we allow for His authority to rule in our life. And the power of His rulership becomes real in the interactions that we are having. And we are protected also by His law. Did you know that laws are meant to protect us? They're meant... Good laws are actually meant to protect us, to not bring harm to people. God's laws are perfect in this way. When you obey and you follow this law that is above all other laws, then you are protected under His care, under His love, under His power. That's the reason that we as children of God are meant and are instructed to love one another as we love ourselves. So if you get hurt, if you get hurt and somebody treats you badly, this is why I want you to think about how would I have liked to have been treated instead? Would I rather have them say, oh, you know, if they, if they said, oh, you ugly person, oh, that hurt my feelings. What would I rather have them said? Well, I wish they would just said an encouraging word, you know, and, and greeted me and just said hi or said something nice to me. Well, now you know what the royal law is. <laughs> you go and do that to that person and to everyone else. Does that make sense? Loving your neighbor as yourself is simply understanding how you want to be loved and then doing that very same thing to the people around you, especially the unlovable, the unlikable, if the, if the world says it this way. You know, sinners, they have a sin nature. Those who do not believe in Jesus, they have a sin nature in them. So all they can do is sin. Don't be surprised by that. Don't be surprised by that. Sinners sin. Yeah? We, the church, have this word of God that puts life into us, that shows us then how to be Jesus to sinners. So that person who doesn't know Jesus can know Jesus through me. 
And they can know forgiveness through me. They can know mercy through me. They can know God's grace through me. His love through me. Because we are meant to be in this world to be Jesus to the people around us. And this is one very important way we do that. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ, we've read this, this is not on your page, but we've read this. For the law of the spirit of of life in Christ sets people free from the law of sin that leads to death. And when we follow the royal law, it sets people free. Sets them free. So treat others the way God treats you. This is our last and final point. James 2, 12 through 13 says this, Speak and act as those who are judged by the, by the law of freedom. This is the law that we live by, the law of freedom. For judgment is without mercy to, those, to the one who has not shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The law of freedom is basically the law that we've been freed by, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ freed us. Completely from sin. It it freed us from sin's power and it freed us from the penalty of sin. 100%. So what's the judgment? What is the judgment of the law of freedom on our life? On who we are? Well, we learn through the Bible that God made Jesus, who had no sin in him, to become sin for us. So that we might become the righteousness of God. Believers, Christians, children of God, you've been judged. And you've been judged as righteous. And that's done. And this is how God treated you as a sinner. Did you deserve to be given righteousness? No. But God did that. He treated you in this way. Even though you did not deserve it. And so God has judged you by the law of freedom. He's judged you by it. And the Bible also says that because we've been reconciled with Jesus by his death, Jesus has brought us into God's presence and he presents us as holy, faultless, and blameless before God. This is how God sees us. This is how we've been judged. Do you hear this? And so we act and we speak according to the judgment of the law of freedom. That's how we act, of how God judged us through the law of freedom, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. God treated us in this way. We treat others in the same way. Mercy, mercy is just a demonstration of God's love. It's a demonstration of of way of treating people even if they don't deserve it. And it shows us, shows people our desire to obey God's word to live by what he says. And and it starts to put you into connection with his new heart that he put into us to live out of our new heart to people. Galatians 5.13, For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Through love, serve one another. Okay? God doesn't show favoritism. If he did, then many of us would not be here. 
He wouldn't. He sees the heart. If you don't know how to see somebody's heart, all you have to do is simply ask God to do it through you. And if you have a hard time seeing somebody's heart that you are in conflict right now or you don't want to associate or be near right now, then let God show you. Just ask him, God, show me through your eyes this person's heart. This is called prayer when you're doing that, by the way, when you're just talking. And, and he, by the Spirit of God, will show you what God sees about this person so that your eyes that, that you see can be in the background and you get to see through God's eyes the person or person's heart. So you see as Jesus sees. So you can treat and love people in the manner that God has loved us. Be filled up. And sometimes God will show you, <laughs> he will show you, my friends, in that place, how God has treated you. When you've been absolutely rebellious and mean and distant and not worthy of grace and love, God will show you that he loved you. And he loved you so well so perfectly. And when you are filled up with that, and it's up here, and it's all the way up here, and you're so filled with that, it doesn't stop. It just kind of comes over. It spills over. And that very love is the very love that people get to experience through you, but it happens by the Spirit. This is not a law that you say, okay, I'm just going to do it. You must allow the Spirit of God to show you and to do it through 